Welcome back to Life and the Stories Within It. We are back with another wonderful episode of our podcast, and we are here with Miss Leslie Davis today. Hi, Leslie. How are we doing? I'm doing great, Hunter. How are you doing? I am doing amazing. And we, as you can tell, Leslie has a little bit of a Southern accent. So why don't we just jump into it? You tell us a little bit where you're from, who you are, and everything like that. So we'll just jump into it. Uh, well, I currently live in Katy, which is 30 miles west of downtown Houston, straight down I-10. And fun fact to know and tell, the uh, widest freeway in the United States is named after the town that I live in, the Katy Freeway. It's so cool. wide, it's actually visible from the space station. Hmm. <laughs> so. I did not know that. You learn something new every day, don't you? Uh, yes, yes. And, and if we don't learn new things, you know, what are we doing here? Exactly. So why don't we just, again, jump right into it. Let's, who is Leslie Davis? What, tell us a little bit about yourself and we can figure out who you, get our viewers to figure out who you are and then we can start with your story. It's a good one, that's for sure. Um, well, to begin with, uh, just, you know, real simple, like a lot of people, I'm a wife, I'm a mother. Um, I have three boys, one husband and um, multiple dogs. Uh, and I, I used to... Um, be in the insurance industry. I did commercial insurance and I tell people now looking back that I was sacrificing myself on the altar of everybody else. And uh, I I guess the pivotal, the, the very first pivotal moment in my life was one day um, I was driving to work and we had had a number of people, you know, through various means of attrition, leave the the insurance agency and we were down to just a couple of people in the commercial department so i was working horrific hours um probably 60 70 hours um and on top of that still being you know a wife and a mother and i had a child in high school who was also in band and so you know you just start layering all kinds of stuff on top and i was um drowning but i didn't realize it at the time And I still remember very vividly, um, in fact, the storm that went through yesterday reminded me of it. But I was driving to work one day, and it was one of those days when the storm clouds were so low, they were almost touching the the ground. Um, And all I wanted to do was turn my car into oncoming traffic. And the only thing that stopped me from doing that was the visual of my children um, experiencing what I experienced, which was the death of my mother when I was only 26 years old and my youngest sibling was 18. That was really the only thing that was keeping me from doing that. But I started recognizing at that point that something was breaking and I needed to do something, but I didn't know what to do because I don't know about you, but I was very conflicted between what I believed I should be doing um, and what I really and truly deep down inside of me wanted to do. And so as a consequence of that conflict, it created even more tension inside of myself because I felt as if I walked away from the job that I was doing, that I was going to be a failure. Mm-hmm. Because I was defining myself by that job. And the truth of the matter is, um, the people that I worked with, while they cared, they really were not interested. They were more interested in how I was contributing to the bottom line. 
Um, and a couple of years, well, probably less than 18 months later, I walked away from the job because it was absolutely literally killing me. Um, and then I, I started doing something else, but I was so numb from having spent so much time, as I said, sacrificing myself on the altar of somebody else that I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. And uh, six months after that point in time, my uh, oldest son and his uh, wife decided they didn't want to have a relationship with me, you know, for whatever reason. And then they had a child, um, which sent me into a, a downward spiral uh, because my own mother died two weeks before that child, my oldest child, her first grandchild was born. And so it was, I tell people, it's like a wash, rinse, repeat cycle. And because I hadn't grieved my own mother's death, I didn't know, you know, how to handle the situation because of all the, the ghosts of the past that were bubbling up. And I tell people now, you know, if we don't deal with, with the emotions at the time, they're going to come out somehow, somehow. And what later, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, what I began to recognize is um, that food was my drug of choice. It was how I numbed the pain. It was how I stopped the pain. Um, but when when my son and his wife had their baby, I realized I could go one of two ways. I could continue going the path that I was going, which I knew was not going to end up in a good place because of how I felt. Or I could make the decision to become the best version of myself mentally, physically, and emotionally. And what I did was literally drive a stake in the ground that's still in the flower bed outside saying, you know, from this point forward, I'm going to do things differently. And that's when the real work began. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm sorry to hear about your mother and everything like that. And that, that, oh, thank you. Um, the relationship between you and your son and some other family members had deteriorated like that, but that was also a, like a turning point in your life that, I mean, all of this happens for a reason because that got you to the point where then you finally drove that stake in the ground and you're like, you know what? I need to change because there was, there was an obvious, there was obviously that tension between what do I want to do? What am I doing here? Are you, am I happy with myself? Everything like that. And it all just kind of boiled down to where you're at the point where you're like, all right, enough is enough. That was kind of like an aha or like rock bottom moment that I think is pretty crucial. So why don't we talk about then you mentioned food, like food was your, like your drug of choice, your poison. How would you have described your relationship with food at that point and what it is once you drew like that, once you put the stake in the ground, kind of transitioning to what it is today? Well, I didn't really understand that um, I I was, you know, telling myself all kinds of lies. And I, I wrote a book that was published a little over a year ago called You Can't Eat Love, uh, because I, I don't know about you, but, you know, a lot of other people, we tend to tell ourselves lies about the food that we're eating. For example, one of the lies that I told myself was if I drank it with the Diet Coke, it had no calories. If nobody saw me eating it, it had no calories. And the truth was it all has calories, but I was telling myself those lies because I didn't want to admit the truth and I didn't want to do the hard work. 
And the hard work was feeling because um, growing up, uh, when I would try and express, you know, sadness or um, being upset about something, it was dismissed. You know, you shouldn't feel that way. Uh, people, you know, tell would tell me all the time, and I've heard other people say it, when you say, well, I'm sad or I'm mad or whatever. Well, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, I've come to understand that how I feel is how I feel, and nobody else gets a boat on it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I might I might have said, you made me feel X, Y, Z. And people say that as well. You make me feel X, Y, Z. And I, through the process of the work, I've come to realize you can't make anyone anything except reservations for dinner. My feelings are my feelings. I'm keeping control of my feelings. I'm keeping ownership of my feelings and I'm not giving my power away. So what I did with food is much like people do with alcohol, drugs and all kinds of other things. Um, That was how I numbed pain because what I would feel when I would overeat and sneak eat and all those things, what I would feel was shame. And I knew how to do shame really well because growing up, I was told so many times, you should be ashamed. You know, I am ashamed. Um, I, I knew how to do shame so well that I would inflict it on myself because that was easier than feeling sad. Mm-hmm. It just seemed to be like a second nature at that point, And it was easier at that. So why don't we then talk about after you drove, like you drove the stake in the ground, what was, what was next? What was next for you? Um, what was next was starting to take a hard look at myself. Okay, what are some of the things that I want to change? Not that I have to change, because I don't know about you, but when I start hearing the have tos, the four-year-old child comes out and throws himself in the middle of Walmart, starts throwing a temper tantrum. Don't tell me I have to do anything. But I started looking at the things that I could change, the things I had power over. And where I began was, you know, following um, a food plan. And then I started doing some uh, in-depth reading. Um, I added in some Bible readings and started filling my mind with words of encouragement, words of possibility, because when we fill our mind, what, what we fill our minds with is what we're filling our bodies with. And it's what comes spewing out of our mouths. So I started paying attention to what I was allowing into my mind, including TV shows, news, things like that. If it wasn't serving me and either providing, you know, basic information, um, uplifting me, showing me possibilities, I I just didn't uh, allow it into my universe. So I started, as I said, by following a food plan, because truthfully, I never knew how to do portion control. And that's very critical. If we are going to be um, a healthy version of ourselves, we need to have an understanding of how much fuel our body requires. For example, I tell people, if you are driving a Fiat, you are not going to put the gas of a Suburban into your Fiat because that gas is going to end up spilling out all over the ground and you're going to be wasting it, right? Mm-hmm. So we we as humans need to understand how much fuel our bodies require. And we need to eat to fuel our body, 
not eat to kill the emotions, not eat to kill the pain. Yeah. Which is, I, I think that's all very good points. I, I really like the comparison between the Fiat and the Suburban because that's exactly right. I mean, you think about it, Fiat has what, what five, 10 gallon tank in your Suburb. I, me and a coworker call them the Suburba tanks because they are absolutely massive. So, yeah. I know I have it down on my notes here. Like we had talked about um, like the reactions of everybody else. I, I'm a little curious, like between your book, what you've seen, and then also what you um, like have been on other podcasts and everything. What are the, some of the reactions that you get when you talk to people about um, like the react I have it written down, like we all have a choice in the response to people's actions. So like getting a reaction of everybody else, like, and not giving away your power. What are some of like the reactions that you get and hear back from other people? Well, one of the things that I, I practice and encourage other people to practice is you are only in control of you. So, for example, if I were to say to you, when you made that comment, this is how I felt. And if you are offended by my comment, you know, that's that's on you. That's your choice that you chose how to react to that. And it's not on me. If I was honest, if I was kind and if I was truthful, I mean, I realize, you know, there's honest and truthful. But if if I stated myself very clearly and honestly, how you react is not on me. I am not in charge of your reaction. The only thing that I'm in charge of is how I react to things that you do. And um, being able to decide when someone makes a comment to me to either pick it up or just leave it there was incredibly powerful because I started recognizing when I was giving away my power. If somebody is trying to pick a fight or they're reacting, you know, negatively towards me, I can either leave them in their mess and not take responsibility for it. Because truthfully, I'm not responsible for their behavior, um, especially an adult. Anybody over the age of 12, I'm not really responsible for their behavior. Mm -hmm. But it takes practice and it takes willpower because I wanted people to be happy and I wanted people to like me. So it took um, a lot of self-control and reminding myself that I'm not in charge of their reaction. And it really was powerful for me when I started acknowledging my feelings, because I would say to my husband, you know, this is how I'm feeling. And then he would start trying to fix it because that's what he does. And I would have to say, hold on just a minute. I don't need you to fix anything. I simply need you to hear what it is that I'm saying. It's important to me that you acknowledge and hear what I'm saying. I don't need you to understand it. I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to hear it. Um, and he still fights and resists that because he wants to fix stuff. But again, I leave that alone because that's him. That's not me. And as I started making changes, people observed that I was changing, they didn't know quite what was different. They couldn't put their finger on it. And some people pushed back on the changes. But you know what? That's okay. Because as humans, we do not like change. Yeah. I just mentioned this in another podcast episode I recorded here recently. It was you can't like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's what <laughs> that's what I think of. And I mean some of them you can, but People just us as human beings, we conform to 
like a sense of normalcy. We don't like change because we get in a routine and we're used to it. It takes us out of our comfort zone in order to, and it forces us to change and sometimes grow when things don't, aren't, aren't always the same like that. So I'm glad that you were able to elaborate on that a little bit and talk about that. So, well, Leslie, is there anything else you'd like to tell our viewers here before we look at signing off for the day? Well, the number one thing that I would like for your um, viewers, listeners to understand is they are in control of themselves. They are not in control of anyone else. And if they are looking to go on a a journey, a journey of self-discovery, to understand from the very beginning that they are enough, just as they are. They are not broken. There's nothing wrong with them. And to meet themselves where they are and understand that tomorrow they will be someplace different. Very nice words. Well, thank you, Leslie, for coming on the show. Thank you, everybody that continues to tune in. I Appreciate it all. Remember, we're on every major podcast hosting service, such as like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all the other big ones. You can find us there. And Leslie, thank you once again for coming on the show. And I appreciate you coming on. I hope you take care. Okay. Thank you, Hunter. <laughs>